G'day, my name's Adam Draycott, and you're watching the online ministry from Inverell Anglican Church. Uh, this has been prepared for the 4th of February 2024. Our sentence of scripture comes from Psalm 96. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Uh, let's come before the Lord, the time of singing and praise. Sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee. 
As we come to the ministry of God's word, let me pray. Almighty, gracious Father, our whole salvation depends on our true understanding of your holy word. Grant that our hearts, freed from worldly stuff, may hear and understand your holy word with all diligence and faith, so that we might rightly discern your gracious will, cherish it, and live by it with all earnestness to your praise and honour through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Bible readings today come from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11, Psalm 16, and Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. That will be our preaching passage. And so if you're in church, uh, please uh, pause this video and read it out loud. If you're listening online, let me read the Word of God for us. Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water. But he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water. He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What is the biggest, most significant global announcement heard in your lifetime? There's a question. Maybe you could pause and share that question among you if you're with other people. Maybe it was Neil Armstrong on the moon. What did he say? 
That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Ronald Reagan, what did he say? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Dr. Ted Ross of WHO, on the 11th of March 2020, yeah, you know what he said. He declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. Or on the 8th of September 2022, here's a global announcement. The Queen is dead. Long live the King. The biggest, most significant global announcement in all of world history is good news. And it's right there in Mark chapter 1. Straight away, in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, can you see it? We are told the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Here is the gospel. This announcement of good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, normally... Good news, gospel news, in its context, would actually relate to an announcement of the Roman emperor, the Caesar of the day. Good news might be a member of his family is engaged or someone's having a baby or something because they were revered as gods. But here, the big shock is that this good news this gospel is not about Caesar and his royal family. No, the good news is about some carpenter's son from Galilee. And his name is Jesus. And this very same Jesus, well, he is the Son of God. Now, can you see how completely outrageous the beginning of Mark's gospel is? This is like saying that a tradie from the back blocks of, oh, I don't know, Gravesend has appeared on the front cover of Time magazine and announces that he's now the head of the United Nations. I mean, that would be something. This is kind of like, you know, Chappelle Corby, if you know who she is. She's going to be crowned the next Queen of England. Or a prisoner on death row is announced as the next president of the United States. I want you to feel the gravity. To the original reader, this is completely shocking. It is subversive. It is provocative. Mark is telling us this gospel, this message of good news, is that this son of a chippy, from the back blocks of Nazareth, can anything good come from there? He is the Christ. But wait, there's more. There's more to this announcement. Because this announcement is like six to eight hundred years in the making. If you're looking at verse two and three, they come from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, where God says through the prophet Isaiah, that he will send his messenger to prepare the way 
of the Lord. And who is this messenger? Well, the voice of verse 3 is John the Baptist. It's his voice that is calling out in the desert. And so here comes John the Baptist making a big announcement. And there he is in verse 4. Can you see it? He's baptizing in the desert region. He's preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now verse 6 tells us a bit more about John. It says that John wore clothing made of camel's hair, weird, with a leather belt around his waist, weird, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And you're going to wonder what, what kind of message is this guy sending with his attire, wearing this kind of getup? I mean, what? Wearing camel hair and eating locusts. Now, if you're watching this, you've probably met Matt. Young Matt? Imagine if young Matt turns up and he's donning a khaki shirt and he's waving a snake around in his hand and he starts saying, oh, crikey a lot. Who do you reckon he's trying to be? And your answer is, you got it, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. The fact that he's passed away, don't let that bother you. Or what if Matt uh, decides to put on a, a white jumpsuit uh, and it's got he's got long sideburns and the jumpsuit has flares and he's now wearing big glasses and can you see Matt strolling around going hmm thank you very much thank you very much who's he trying to be and you would go well that's that's got to be Elvis right and I wonder if this is the caper of John the Baptist that this is an object lesson. That he's getting around in this getup of camel hair and eating locusts, and he is so doing the Old Testament, I'm a prophet from the Old Testament kind of thing. Mate, I'm Elijah. Uh, I'm Elijah right there. Uh, you can read about Elijah in 2 Kings, by the way. But in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it says there, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And so here is John the Baptist speaking as a prophet of God, identifying with the prophets of old, especially Elijah. He's doing the Malachi 4 verse 5 thing, I think. And now crowds are flocking to him to hear God's person speak. He's preparing the way. And what's the announcement? Well, look at verse 7. And this is his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water. But he will baptise you with what? The Holy Spirit. John will help a whole lot of people get wet. But Jesus... He's going to baptise people with the Holy Spirit. This is a huge announcement. I mean, you already thought it was big. It just got bigger, right? That God would dare come to us in the power of the Holy Spirit and take up residence in people's hearts because of Jesus. That's what Mark is forecasting. 
And we met that when we worked through the book of Acts, didn't we? As Christ's work continued by his Spirit, empowered witnesses. And now recognize that same Holy Spirit resides in all who belong to him today. That Christ died for me. That Christ died as me. And now Christ lives in me and Christ now lives through me. But there is more because there is another announcement, verse 11. Verse 11, a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Why is God delighted and pleased with his son? Well, the answer is found in what goes before. It's there in verse 9. Jesus gets baptised. Why does Jesus get baptised? Because baptism here is for sinners, right? Anyone who saw great sin in their life wanted to be cleansed and restored before God in their communities. It's like a heartfelt object lesson in confession and repentance. It's what you did to mark your cleansing of sin and repentance and it expressed an intention to go out and lead a new life. But what is Jesus doing here? Well, the question of why Jesus is baptised is just like asking why did he die on a cross? Jesus didn't die on the cross because he was a sinner himself. The book of Hebrews already tells us that Jesus was without sin. Hebrews 4.15 Yet on the cross, Jesus identified with sinners. He stood in our place by bearing our sin and judgment. He died for me. He died as me, remember. But here in the baptism, in the same way, Jesus identifies with sinners here at the beginning of his ministry. He identifies with sinners by being baptised in the Jordan, just as other sinners were doing. And this is why Jesus came. It's his mission. Jesus came to identify with sinners, to stand in their shoes, and to deal decisively with sin, which of course we know is ultimately fulfilled at the cross. This is kind of like a little preview of what is to come. And this is why God is pleased. God is really pleased. So, so pleased, look at verse 10. The heavens are torn open. The Spirit falls onto Jesus like a dove. And he is so pleased that God himself will speak from on high. I mean, just think of the layers here. Mark writes this for us. Isaiah has already promised it. John the Baptist is out there preaching it. And now God speaks. And the Holy Spirit guarantees it. And what have they all got in common? They're all testifying. They're all putting Jesus into sharp focus. He is the center of it all. And they're all shouting loudly, look, behold, the Son of God. So Jesus doesn't come 
to share a barbecue with politicians and to schmooze the elite. Jesus doesn't come to be an influencer and garner a million likes. Jesus doesn't come for that. Jesus is God come to us with skin on. Jesus is the King. And he's come to seek and to save the lost. He's come to identify with rebellious sinners and to stand in their place. People who need to be cleansed. People who need God's forgiveness. People like you and me. Why else has Jesus come? Well, look at verse 12. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Here is the second thing. Jesus has come to confront evil and to bind the work of Satan. Jesus has come to face off against the work of the devil. And the catalyst, again, is the cross. It's at the cross that sin is paid for, and evil is bound, and death is crushed. It's at the cross that victory over all these things, including the devil, is declared. It's at the cross it all happens. Now, have a think. If we knew that, uh, let's go with Prince William and Princess Kate. If we knew, uh, and the kids, right? If they were coming, if they were going to come and descend on your town or your village, wherever you live, how, would, how should we all respond? Well, at least you'd mow the lawn, wouldn't you? Maybe you'd do the edging too. Clean the windows, the streets would get a clean double starch the tablecloths maybe um, people oh, people would bend over backwards to welcome them we call the relatives guess who's coming to town the whole point is you wouldn't do nothing surely I mean there'd be a big fuss friends here is the good news in mark chapter one and the good news is that Jesus has come the king has come. The Son of God has come, and he has come in real time, in real places, in real history, and he has secured for us forgiveness. He has given us peace with God, and he offers us eternal life. And so the question before us then, what are you doing with Jesus? How have you responded to him? I mean, tell me. Tell me about the good news of Jesus and how that is at work in your life. What difference does Jesus' coming into our world? And I pray to your hearts, what difference has that made to you? I pray it's all the difference in the world. I mean, that's what we see here in the responses. In Mark, look verse 5, people from all over, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem are going out. There's a great movement of people already. And how, what, how are they getting ready? They're confessing sin. They're seeking to be cleansed and purified before the king turns up. 
and arise into their presence. And so as I ask this, as you see this, I want to again ask, what is our response to Jesus? Tell me again why the good news is so good for you. Is it the message of forgiveness? Is it that guilt has been washed away? I trust it is. And of course, if my guilt is washed away, of course, as I turn to Christ, I'm turning away from something, aren't I? As I turn to Christ and worship Him, I'm turning away from my sin, surely. I mean, if I believe that Jesus has come to me personally by His Holy Spirit, if I profess to be a Christian, surely I'm turning away from sin and turning my back on sin and turning to Christ. I mean, what are you doing with unresolved sin in your life? Are you giving it to the Lord? Have you? You should. Are you seeking to be godly in your relationships? Gracious, forgiving and merciful. You got a problem with forgiveness? You have a problem with Jesus? Look at the other responses. Simon and Andrew, verse 16, they're out fishing. What do they do? Verse 17, they leave the nets. They leave the family business and they follow Jesus. Verse 19, James and John are mending nets. Verse 20, they've left their dad. <laughs> Bye, dad. Uh, and they follow Jesus. They're stunning reactions. And the point is they didn't do nothing. They're not unaffected or untouched or unimpacted by Jesus. I mean, again, if this is the biggest announcement in world history, isn't it staggering that this same Jesus has come to each one of us personally? And so for the Christian, he has come to us personally. We enjoy his peace. We love his comfort and his forgiveness and we love his assurance guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. This is the same Jesus that lives in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is the same Jesus, the one that has opened up the way for us. He's opened up the very gates of heaven for us and connects rebellious sinners to a holy God. The wrong response is to believe that this is not good news. The wrong response is apathetic indifference. The wrong response is that we think anything else is somehow more important and that Jesus is somehow less. Second, but Jesus is everything. Jesus alone is everything. Here's the invitation. Friends, we've just started Mark. Read Mark's Gospel with us. And if you're not a big reader like I'm not a big reader, Mark's Gospel's the go. It's the action movie gospel. It's got everything uh, bar the car chase. But you get, it's the action movie gospel. Go, go, go. Action, action, action. And as we read this gospel together, come, come with us. And as we do that, my prayer is that this is the beginning. This beginning of the gospel will be a new beginning for you. My prayer is that the Lord Jesus is going to jump off the pages of this wonderful book and that he will be as vivid to you as a bucket of cold water being poured over your head. And that would be vivid, wouldn't it? 
My prayer is that we'd reckon with Jesus, not the Jesus of our imaginations, but the Jesus of Scripture. And I pray this, Jesus, the Son of God, will be your joy and your delight and your salvation. Because he's good news. He's good news for us. He's good news for the world. Because Jesus has come, he doesn't make no difference, right? And so let's go out and live like that's true. Amen.
friends, please enter into a time of prayer. Uh, there will be a blue screen that follows with prayer points. Uh, lots to pray in our world. Pray for peace in uh, Ukraine, Russia, get out of there. Pray for peace in Gaza. Pray that the hostages would be returned, but also that the violence would end. The loss of innocent life would stop. So pr please pray for peace in Gaza and that area. Uh, for our church family uh, and beyond, uh, our prayer is that we keep growing in Christ and uh, let's keep praying for one another, the sick, the lonely, the outcast, for those that are doing it tough at the moment. Please uphold them in prayer. I commit it to you. Let me close with the words of this blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen.
Jesus.